We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Happy Sunday after Thanksgiving, Hope. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah. Did anybody have that, uh, that moment on Thanksgiving Day where you looked at one more piece of pie and you said, is enough enough? Or maybe, maybe just one more. I, I know for myself, I ate so much on Thanksgiving Day. My wife did an amazing spread. We had some brisket. We had some cream corn. We had green beans. She made homemade pies. She made two pies. We, I ate all of the pies. Um... I ate so much on Thanksgiving Day, I began to already think about my New Year's diet. I was like, you know what, maybe I should start now and not wait until the new year, but I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna keep eating January. I'll, I'll think about it in January. I'll ask the Lord's favor on that. And um, you always know it's a holiday weekend here at Hope when the lead pastor asks the worship pastor to preach. You know, he's gonna enjoy that extended weekend. And uh, I get the, the joy to have a conversation with you today as we kick off this series, Enough is enough, where we're going to talk about the connection between gratitude and generosity. We're going to talk about the connection between gratitude and generosity, and there's a couple things I know right off the bat that I'm very, very grateful for. I'm grateful for Hope Church. I love Hope Church, and one, there's many, many things that are wonderful and great about Hope Church, but the most powerful thing is that we have a lead pastor who preaches the word of God. He searches the word, he searches himself, and unbiasedly brings us a true gospel. So if you're thankful for your lead pastor, Pastor Lance, thank you so much. Let's give him some honor. Let's thank him for, for bringing the word of God, loving his church, challenging in us, pushing uncomfortable topics. I think that's a testament to the power that hope has in infecting our community. You know, it's been a long journey for my family and I. We've been in love with, with Hope Church for a real, real long time. And uh, it's been amazing to watch what God has done, really, over the, even just the last year here at Hope. It's been incredible. So many, so many new faces and families. And my family is actually one of those new faces as well. If you don't know yet who I am, my name is Rob. I'm the worship and arts pastor for you, right? I'm here for you. I'm going to love you. I want to serve you. Um, my wife, Kitty, uh, and our two children, Jackson and Memphis, we just moved from the great state of Texas. Uh, and we came to be Montanans, okay? Now, we're from Texas. That means we're stubborn. So just give us some grace to figure out how to become Montanans and learn some things. I did hear a rumor that Montanans are more accepting of Texans and Californians. I didn't say that. I didn't say, don't, no, don't be looking at me. I didn't say that. I just heard a thing. Before, <laughs> before I kind of get into the, the talk today, I just want to encourage you, if at any moment today I say something that offends you or is not in line with Scripture, please, please email Pastor Lance, okay? Because I ain't, I ain't got time. <laughs> the connection between gratitude and generosity I don't know how many parents we have in the room. Have you ever had a day like this where you have an amazing day? Every meal you have eaten has been out. You have food at home, but no, we're going to spend the day out as a family. So we go out and we have donuts for breakfast, go to Chick-fil-A for lunch, go to like a semi-fancy dinner because they can't quite appreciate too fancy. You know, we eat out. We, we, we had toys that we went and got. It was a great family day. And we come home, we get in the house, and then you utter this sentence. Okay. 
it's time to get ready for bed. And then all of a sudden, all chaos breaks loose. All joy has been lost, and your children react as if you're the worst parent in the history of parents because you, you suggested that it's time for bed. And I don't know about your reaction because you guys are probably far more holy than I am, um, but I usually get an attitude response to that. And what it stems from is, how ungrateful are you? How ungrateful are you? And here's the reality. Few things sting more than ingratitude. Few things sting more than ingratitude, and here's why. Because ingratitude communicates, I don't see you. I don't recognize you. I don't recognize what you've done. I don't recognize your effort, and I do not recognize your sacrifice. Ingratitude communicates, you know what? I'm owed this. So why should I say thank you? Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we as your people are so incredibly thankful for your goodness and your mercy. And we thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross. And we thank you that you rose him again for your glory and for our salvation. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife saw it first. It was one of those mornings yesterday morning as we were driving here to the church building where you have those little moments as a family where we're like, we're kind of cute, you know? We're kind of a cute family, you know. My wife was flirting with me, which is always a good sign at the top of the day. And a good way to start the day. Men, you agree? You know, it's a good day when your wife's flirting. We're driving down the road, and, uh, you know, we're new to Montana, okay? So we're still enamored by the beauty that surrounds us everywhere. And we're driving down, this, down the road, and my wife goes, that's just a pretty tree. I just don't know what it is. And I glanced out the window to see what tree she was talking about. In a split second, in that one glance, the truck in front of us slammed on its brakes to make a hard left turn, and I didn't see the truck hit its brakes. She saw it first. And so we go into panic mode. I hit my brakes, but we're definitely going to hit, so I need to do something, so I swerve to the left. But the truck didn't see a swerve, so he's continuing his path to the left, and I have to swerve again, and we end up in a tree in our family car with our kids. And in an instant, everything slowed down to a halt. There's this old video game I used to play when I was a kid called Rainbow Six where you got to, on a video controller, be a SWAT team member, and my brain went into what I call Rainbow Six mode. Came a SWAT team member, and I rolled the heck out of that. I was like, let's go, you know, I dived out. Okay, got my daughter out first. Okay, okay, you go, boom, back in. Get my son out, boom. Kids, can she get out? She's pushing the door out. She's like mama mode. She's like, boom, where are my children? You know, she kicks it all out. She jumps out. She's crawling out, and we, we, we're huddled. We're checking each other. Hey, we're looking at each other. It's okay. It's okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And in that moment, my thought wasn't, oh no, the car. My thought was, thank God, my family's okay. I know it can seem insequential to have a conversation or elementary even to talk about gratitude. We're adults, Pastor Rob. We, we get it. You know, it's like kind of the first thing you teach your children to say, right? You need to say, Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, and thank you. But I promise you, if you want grit in your life, you want grit, uh, grit in your spirituality, gratitude is one of those habits that will lead you into a grittier spiritual life. If you don't believe me, I can give you some science. And I learned that trick from Pastor Lance. If you list a study in your talk, everyone goes, well, he has to be right. So <laughs> thanks for that tip. 
Also, just for those of you who don't know, if you're not in like full-time vocational ministry, whenever you're on stage, you always kind of suck up to your boss, you know, Christmas bonus. <clears throat> so, um, that's, yes, Lord, yes, mm-hmm, I'm stopping, okay. Um, there were two studies done by the University of Miami and the University of California, Davis, where over the course of 10 weeks, they took a group of people and they divided that group of people into three different groups. In the first group, their task over the next 10 weeks was to write down what happened. It was neither good nor bad. It was just data and facts. Just write down everything that happens in your day, day to day, for the next 10 weeks. The second group, which we could probably all really, really relate to, was to write down everything that bothered them and annoyed them about their day for the next 10 weeks. And lastly, the gratitude group was to spend the next 10 weeks, every single day, writing down the things that they were thankful for each and every day. Now, it probably won't shock you that the gratitude group at the end of the 10 weeks felt better about themselves and better about others around them. But what might shock you a little bit is that the gratitude group went to the doctor less and without even being asked, began to exercise more. So the reality, the reality is that gratitude is beneficial for our physiology, it's for our emotions, and we're going to see today that gratitude is beneficial for our spirituality. And what I want to do is I want to kind of put gratitude into two categories, two broad categories, if you will. And the first category is this. When we practice gratitude, we focus on what we do have and not what we don't have. When we practice gratitude, we focus on what we do have and not what we don't have. When we do this, it creates in us what researchers have called the abundance mindset. The abundance mindset creates in us enthusiasm. Enthusiasm builds into confidence, and that even rolls over into momentum or energy. When we combine these three things, enthusiasm, confidence, and energy, it creates in us success. This next sentence isn't fair, but it is true that successful people are more attractive. Now, not physically sometimes, but emotionally. There's something attractive about people who are being successful, and so it draws people to themselves. And so the second side effect of practicing gratitude is connections with others. And in this connection, we begin to build teamwork. And out of teamwork stems friendships, and out of those deep friendships, we get solidarity. And what that means is that we aren't alone in our successes, but we're not alone in our failures. Gratitude leads us all to a healthier life physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And here's the fact. It is not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. You know, there was a study about successful people in a business journal, and what it concluded that gratitude had the largest player to people's success. And it was this, it wasn't that people were grateful for their success, rather, it was their gratitude that led to their success. So gratitude is very important, but we wanna know how it's gonna help us spiritually. That's why we're here in church. And so we're gonna be in the book of Luke, and Luke is one of the four biographers of Jesus. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call those the gospels. Luke happens to be the only non-Jewish author in the entire Bible. He was an outsider who became an insider. 
And it's pretty funny that in Luke, he's the only one of the authors who puts this story in his gospel. And it is a story about an outsider who became an insider. I'm sorry, y'all, I'm going to need to sit down. So we're going to be in Luke. This uh, table is showing you how short I am. <clears throat> All right. In my weakness, you are strong, Lord. Um, Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now, Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. Now, before we keep going in this passage, I, I would like to zero in on two particular words in this passage. The first word being Samaria. The second word being leprosy. Okay, let's take a look at Samaria. So Jesus is in Israel. He's from Galilee, which is in the north, and he is headed to Jerusalem, which is in the south. And when Jesus gets to Jerusalem this time, he will be crucified. But on his way, he skirts the border of a place called Samaria. And I don't have to tell many of you, but the tension between Jews and Samaritans was no joke. Jews actually said Samaritans could not testify in court because Jews said you had to be human to testify. That's hate. And what's crazy is Samaritans were half Jewish. So who got the biggest part of their hatred was actually their stepbrothers. So here's Jesus. He's on the border, and he runs into these 10 guys with leprosy. Now, I'm sure many of us have heard the word leprosy. We still have leprosy today, but... Leprosy, the word leprosy, literally means to peel. It's a disease that would literally peel the flesh from your body. Your fingers could fall off, your toes could fall off. If you get leprosy in your face, it would cause your beard to turn white or yellow or even fall out, make you go bald. And I, I, I know someone in this room had that thought for like one second. Well, Rob, you're bald. Do you have leprosy? And I'm, no, I'm bald by choice, genetically speaking. Um, so leprosy is a very nasty disease, and it was, like, we have it today, but biblical leprosy was so contagious. It was so contagious that it would infect leather. So people's belts and their sandals could infect someone else. Leprosy was so contagious, it would get into the walls of their homes, and you could never go back to that home. So it's no wonder that as Jesus approaches these guys, this is what happens. They stood at a distance. And called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now again, if we go back to Leviticus where we could read about leprosy, we also see the Jewish law of what lepers were supposed to do. It was mandated that lepers would have to social distance. And guess how far the most contagious disease has ever been known. Guess what the distance was? Four cubits. Guess how, how, how big that is. Yeah, it is six feet. I had to Google it. I didn't know offhand, but that's crazy. It's a, a cubit would be from the tip of your elbow to the tip of your finger, 18 inches times four, six feet. And so they had to stay at a distance. And they come to him and they beg Jesus to heal them. And here's what happens in verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. I'm going to say that one more time. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. 
Now, Jesus didn't heal them right there on the spot. He said, go and do. They didn't just need a cure for their disease, which they did have, but they also needed a cleansing for their social standing. You see, they had multiple problems, skin disease, which Jesus could have healed right then and there, but he told them to go back to the priest because under Jewish law, only a priest could cleanse you, declare you cleansed socially. You could get overlepsy, God could heal you, but until a priest told the community, hey, he's good, could you go back home? Could you hug your wife, hold your kids? You could worship in the synagogue. And what I have seen over the course of 20 and 21, the infection of a virus, the distancing from one another that has happened, for political unrest I have seen, some of the greatest even in my short time on earth. However, despite all of this, our greatest problem is not physical and it is not social, it is spiritual. And this one leper returns. 10 showed up, nine were cleansed, but only one was healed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. The word thanked in the Greek, as we learned in community time, is the word called eucharisteo, which is the word we get Eucharist from. And Eucharist is the word for communion, which means thanksgiving. You see, gratitude is spiritual. Jesus was a little confused, however. He said, just the one? You're a Samaritan. How come you're the only one who returns? How many of us in our life have felt like an outsider wanting to be on the end? I think it'd be appropriate to maybe address those who have joined Hope just through online. Pastor Lance has, has met someone just the other week uh, at, at lunch. Someone came up to him who's never physically been in a building or on a campus at Hope, but has been attending online. And I just, I want to kind of talk to those of you who are online. Maybe, maybe there's a part of you that's checking out what this whole church thing's about, what Jesus is about, what is Hope really about. And if you're honest, you've maybe done some things or seen some things, and you know, without question, you're an outsider. And you're asking yourself, if I if I choose to step in and, and, and come to hope, will I be accepted? And the answer is unequivocally yes, but more than that, you would be valued. Because in a place that has a mission, it's right here on our wall, in a place that has a mission renewing lives to the hope in Jesus, that means we want to be a place that regardless of your race, economical background, your disability, this would be a place that you would never be outcast, unwanted, or alone because there's a man named Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of God that we want to introduce you to. So this is a place where you belong, and this is a place where you can find home. You know, um, I have found, I've, I grew up in church, man. I've been in church my whole life. I've, I've seen every variant of how you could do church. And something, sadly, I have noticed is that it's those of us who've been around church the longest that sometimes forget our gratefulness from what Jesus saved us from. What a, what a blessing it is to gather together. What a blessing it is to open the word of God together, to worship together to simply be around each other and the only thing we want is Jesus. Ten people met Jesus that day, but only one saw him. The others were thankful for what they got out of Jesus. 
but only one knew that Jesus had what he needed for his spiritual healing. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? How or has no one returned to give praise to God except for a foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. That phrase right there, made you well, the Greek word there is sozo, which translated means saved. Your faith has saved. He recognized his greatest need was not physical, it was not social, it was spiritual. And right now, in our own country, the biggest crisis is not physical or social, but we as a country are spiritually bankrupt. And until we turn to Jesus, it doesn't matter what vaccine is proposed, it doesn't matter what solution is put forth to deal with our social woes, until we deal with something that's far, far deeper, the cure of which is only the man and person, Jesus Christ. I get, often, uh, I get asked um, quite a bit, um, why is it that I sing with so much joy or so much energy? You just, oh, you just seem so alive up there. And, you know, what, what are you thinking about? What are you, what's going on with that? And here's the reality. It's, I, and I promise you I have answered this question a thousand times. And I can, I can see it right now. They're almost disappointed with my answer. Because it's not some deep theological thing or it's not even funny. It's just, I'm so glad I met Jesus. You see, my life was headed down a path. I was so gross and disgusting. I was just like a leper. You wouldn't want to have touched me with a 10-foot pole. And yet Jesus came right down into my mess. And he picked me up. And he said, let's go. And from that moment forward, my life has never been the same. So of course, I'm going to sing with joy because my life is forever changed. We serve a good God. We have a faithful king so faithful that he went and died on a cross. And maybe you don't know what that feels like to go from an outsider to an insider. And today would be a beautiful, perfect day for you to express and proclaim Jesus is Lord of your life and see what it's like to be a part of the family. To hear those words, welcome home. I wanna give us a few challenges as we close out this week. A few challenges that the first one I want to I want to read first and then I want you to say it back to me as I challenge us to practice gratitude. So number 1 is this. I will acknowledge God as the source of my good. Now you say it. I will acknowledge God. When I got my driver's license and started to drive my car, the reality is is it was technically my parents' car, right? They paid the payments, they put the insurance, it was in their name. Oftentimes they paid for gas because I stole money from their room and paid for gas. Sorry, mom and dad, love you. Um, it wasn't my car, but I acted like it was my car. And we do that with God all the time. It's our stuff, it's my thing, it's my life. It's my house, oh really, your house. That's your, your house. Yeah, well how do you pay for your house? Well, well I mean, I work my job. Well, how do you perform your job? with the body that God gave you. Do you love your marriage? Guess what, that was God's idea. Do you love your kids? Guess what, the Bible says it's a blessing from God. Do you love your church? 
Do you love your church? The church is God's. So ultimately what we find is that everything that is good in our life comes from God. And James puts it beautifully. James 1, 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. So church, are we gonna commit to acknowledge that God is the source of our good. Number two, I'm gonna read it and I want you to say it back. Number two says, I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. I will not let what I want rob me. We're all so very, very guilty of this. You ever have that moment where you walk into your closet, you look at all your clothes and what is that famous sentence we say? I ain't got nothing to wear. And then disappointed, you walk out to the fridge, you open the fridge and you look inside the fridge or maybe the pantry, look at all your options and then what do you say? I ain't got nothing to eat, what? Even more frustrated, you plop down on the couch, you turn on the television, turn on your streaming service and you literally look through tens of thousands of shows and movies, documentaries, sporting events, and what do we say? nothing to watch because when we focus on what we don't have it robs the joy out of what we do have as we stood there cold from the morning air and the adrenaline rush in our bodies my family tightly together holding each other looking around and being like okay okay we're all right thank you God for my family I don't have a car today but that's because I realize what I have is all I need. You see what gratitude does is it changes what you have into all you need. And what a blessing I have to get a beautiful sermons analogy from yesterday, right? Because I was really struggling. I was like, God, what's the, what's the takeaway? What's the takeaway? What is this little nugget I need to leave? And this is the takeaway. Gratitude changes in us a perspective that what we have is all we need. And the last challenge I want to give is more of an action step, if you will, than um, a mantra. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul, he, he knew what it was like to struggle. He wrote this in Philippians 4, 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He wrote that while he was in prison. Paul knew it. He had every high, he had every low. But he kept his joy because he was grateful. And he says, arguably one of the most famous lines in scripture, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things, or even says, I can do all of this through Christ who gives me strength. You wanna have joy like that when life throws curveballs at you? You gotta allow gratitude to turn all you have into all you need. So what is our action step? Pretty practical. It's called the sticky challenge, where you take a sticky note and you write a prayer of thanksgiving about someone in your life that you are thankful for. Now I know young folks are like, I don't even know, bro, where do I even get a sticky note? 
it's almost 2022. Is, it, is there like a VR mode? I don't know. You can text, you can call. The point is that all of us can think of someone in our lives that we are thankful for. Just off the top of my head, I'm very thankful for my, my wife, Kitsy. What a strength she is to me and what God has called me to. She's taught me more about grace than maybe even the church. I'm thankful for my dad, Eddie Jones, who married my mom when I was 13 and adopted me, giving me the last name Jones, and also giving me his career because he is a pastor. Never once in all the years that I was under his roof did I ever hear him raise his voice, though I did everything in my power to get him to do so. Never once did I hear him say a turned word towards my mother. Because of that, I had an example of a father, because I didn't have one which now gives me reference on how to be one to my kids. See, gratitude changes your perspective on everything. If you've been saved, if you've given your life to Jesus, every day is a beautiful gift. And if you feel like an outsider today, today is a beautiful day. Because Jesus stands here with open arms and an open gift to give you the gift of himself. Firstly, on the cross, and secondly, as the Lord of your life. So be sure to reach out and to give someone a, an encouraging, thankful word this week. If you're someone who needs physical healing today, if you're someone who needs emotional healing, if you're someone who needs spiritual healing, as we wrap up today, I, I wanna encourage you to take advantage of our prayer corner over here. Don't be afraid. I have no idea what my life would look like without Jesus. But I know that I'm incredibly grateful that I met him. You know, church, sometimes we don't have all the words to say thank you to God. Sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. So I'll leave you with this, that sometimes if you don't know how to say thank you to God, you can simply say hallelujah, which means thanks be or praise be to God. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.